millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello and welcome to The Break, the podcast bringing content to sports fans at a time when we are deprived of live action. Across the series, I'll be joined by Neil Foles and Jimmy White to debate some of the biggest talking points in snooker, as well as catching up with some of the game's biggest names. And a reminder that this is coming to you from the confines of self-isolation, so please do excuse the audio quality at times. Today's show is all about snooker rivalry, and I'm joined by two fellas who are usually sat alongside me on the couch, but for obvious reasons they're not. But we can still say hello and welcome, firstly, to former world number three, Neil Folds. Folty, good to see you. Yes, hello, mate. You all right? Good, very well. Nice to see you've um, got the snooker <laughs> memorabilia up on the wall behind you in shape of a dartboard. Yeah, listen, my darts is improving all the time, you know. I, 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 not much of a player, but um, I think it's an easy game to play in these circumstances, isn't it? You know, if you're staying in. It's the perfect game to play because you don't need a lot of room. Jimmy, lovely <laughs> to see you. I'm guessing you've not got a snooker, uh, a snooker table in your house. No, I, I, I might be getting one when this is all over, I can assure you. It's drove me nuts. Get rid of the kitchen sink and put the table in there, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, we've got loads to talk about in, uh, in today's show. I'm very excited about talking about rivalries, Neil, because, of course, it's important yeah. in any sport. But how, how important do you think it is in the sport of snooker to get from where we were when snooker started out to where we are now? Yeah, our rivalries are great. You know, great players play each other. Sometimes it clashes in, in personality. And I think the second part, the personality clashes, why people are attracted to uh, when, for instance, Steve Davis played Alex Higgins all those years ago. I know we're going to speak about that as a rivalry. Um, because someone wanted one, uh, half the, 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 you know, the community wanted one uh, player to win and the other half absolutely wanted the other guy. And, um, and that's why we love the game. And, and there's nothing like great players locking horns. You know? Yeah, Jimmy, we'll talk about your rivalry with Steve Davis a bit later on. But I want to get your view on um, your old pal, the wonderful, the late, great Alex Higgins, of course, who had a fantastic rivalry with Steve Davis and contrasting styles as well. Do you think that's what we look for in a rivalry? Two players that are completely different, yet still at the top of their game? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there was two different personalities, as Neil just said, but the main, the main attraction, I think, was the two different styles of play. You know, Higgins had been around for a few years then, and then Steve Davis come along as a phenomenon, and he played a different game. He played the percentage game, but he played it to such a high level that he was more or less impossible to be. As exciting that Alex Higgins was, with um, Steve Davis, you've seen this percentage contestant winner. And so, and Higgins was exciting. So when Higgins won, he got all the crowd going. And, you know, Steve Davis was telling himself what made snooker go to such its high levels was the excitement of Alex Higgins. But as a winning situation, there was no one like the Nuggets. So the Red Tops... Mm. 
newspapers made it such a big rivalry, different personalities and different styles of play. And it's weird, Neil, isn't it? Because when you look at rivalries in all sports, it's usually their rivalries because they're so close to each other. But when you look at the records between the two, they met 30 times. Davis won 25 of them. They met in five finals. Higgins won one of them. Um, Davis won six world titles. Higgins, I say just the two, but two of them. Why do we, when we look at these two names on a piece of paper, why do we think they were so close? Well, I mean, the, the interesting matches, are, in a way, are the ones that, that Alex won. Because what you say, 25 out of 30 times, you know, Davis was the winner. That's what he did to most people, you know. But, I mean, I, I was at the conference centre in 1985, the year before I started playing in it, when Alex Higgins played Steve Davis. It was best of nine then. It was 4-4. Higgins had a, a huge crowd in there watching him. And, and Steve was the man to beat. So everyone, maybe the neutrals, wanted Alex to win. And both players went out came back in, they booed Steve and there was no reason to boo Steve Davis. I mean, he's the, the, the nicest guy you'll ever meet in the world. But, uh, you know, Alex had a, a sort of a frenzied crowd there and he went on to win the match 5-4 and there was a crowd invasion afterwards. The crowds got so involved in that game, you know, in the in the conference centre, it's unbelievable, to the point where my, my old friend, the tournament director, John Lazarus, he had an idea that he was going to put a decoy in the crowd because there was so much noise. And he said, the first person who shouts out Alex's name, come on, Alex, is going to be thrown out. So they put someone in there in, the, in one of the rows and he shouted out in, inside about three shots and they sort of rather sort of manhandled him out of the building and it stopped anyone else from doing it. But, it, you know, it was an amazing atmosphere in there. And you listen, I, I knew them both and, and I had no favourites, but you couldn't help yourself but root for Alex in that match. He mm-hmm. was the underdog and the way he won and the way he played you couldn't help it. I mean, Steve was pretty devastated to lose that match. He never really played very well at the Masters. Maybe that match left a mark on him, you know. Jimmy, listen, you knew Alex better than most. I just wonder, would would Higgins, would his game have been as good without Davis? And would Davis have been as successful without Higgins? Does that make sense? Well, I, I get what you're saying. You know, we, we must um, mention Ray Reardon. You know, Ray Reardon was also a top player. He was a top tactician uh, uh, you know, he was a top break builder, you know, so he had a bit of a rivalry with Higgins. But when Steve Davis did come along, he sort of, I, I stayed an amateur to go to Tasmania to win the World Amateur Championship. Otherwise, I'd have been a professional uh, 1980. I waited a, a while. But uh, Ray Reardon had the type of game that sort of matched a little bit like Steve Davis. So he had a rivalry with Higgins. But for sure, Davis definitely brought along you know, the, the best out of Higgins. And I'm sure Higgins brought the best out of Davis. No, it's bizarre, isn't it? Because subconsciously, I suppose you raise your game because you're playing someone that you're even more desperate to beat than perhaps someone else that you'd meet in a first or second round encounter. It's bizarre that you're not always bringing your A game, but sometimes, of course, you need that player, the one you can't really stand. I don't think Higgins was too much of a, um, too fond of Steve Davis off and on the table as well. So it's bizarre that it can bring out an even better game than the one you've already got. Mm, I reckon that Steve, if you have, if you were really being getting close to Steve, you'd say that he didn't like Alex very much, but he would never get involved in that conversation. Even when Alex said stuff about Steve, Steve, he was clever. Steve, he would never say, "Well, the feeling's mutual." He would, he would kind of almost dismiss what someone like Alex would say, and that's where Steve was very clever. He wouldn't get involved. He wouldn't rise to that. So that was what held him in 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 good stead. But I'm thinking about all the matches they played against each other. Those two, 
And in the most sterile of atmospheres, Steve would always beat Alex, you know, always. Mm. I mean, that UK final, Alex came from 7-0 down yeah, in the final to win in 83. You just wonder if that match actually might have been the reason that Dennis did the same a couple of years later. Because Dennis and Alex didn't like each other much. There's no getting away from that. But the fact that Steve threw away such a big lead in a big final against Alex in 83, maybe that's why Taylor came and won that match in 85 in the way he did from 8-0 down. So, you know... Some great. I, I could never forget that night at the conference centre when when Alex won that match, and the atmosphere was was brilliant. It was a little bit out of order. There was stuff going on after the game. More likely a football crowd at the time, but you couldn't help but love Alex in the way he played. And two more contrasting human beings on the planet. Mm. I can't believe he'd ever meet. You know. And Jimmy, what about your rivalry with Steve Davies? Of course, you met in the 84 final. It was the first ever final I watched. That's what made me fall in love with the game. Did you enjoy meeting him? If you saw the draw and you were at the top half and he was at the bottom, would you be thinking, I can meet Steve again in the final? Neil would tell you, you know, anybody in the 80s, uh, Steve Davies was such, for me, the hardest player I ever played against. Um, He had such a great temperament, such a great cue action. And uh, his scoring ability, you know, he was so consistent, did very few mistakes. And because I had the style, like Alex Higgins, probably more even attacking than Higgins, I went for my shots. So then the newspapers had a sort of new rivalry because Steve Davis, as we've explained, carried on winning. So they had me in the red top newspapers against Steve Davis, they built a new rivalry up. And I, and I quite liked it. I know, you know, me and Steve Davis wasn't, you know, I was sort of um, wasting my time partying and he was practicing. So I've got no, you know, I've got, I never had any problems with Steve Davis, but you knew if you was playing Steve Davis and Neil would tell you, even if you beat Steve Davis, you'd been, you felt like you'd been in a war. He was that tough. Mm. So oh, my was- with him lasted for about, five or six years and it was it was quite healthy for the game I think I just want to ask actually Jim while I'm speaking to you you know everyone talks about your matches with Stephen Henry those four finals we know all about those and the one with Parrot but 84 maybe that was the year that the, the one that got away was the one final against Steve you know the fact that you lost so close no one really speaks about that final do they no and um I'm glad you mentioned that because someone sent me something the other day I, I, I was 17 16 down and um, I potted a red and I didn't get on the pink. And I played a very good safety shot. And Steve Davis, with his Rolls-Royce-like dead straight cue action, rolled along red in. I was 40 in front. And he ended up winning the game on the green. So it could have easily been 17 each. But in that match, I'll never forget it. I was 12-4 down after the first two sessions. And the late Jim Medicoff, who was a commentator, he used to put tips on for players. And I said, uh, Jim, this tip's so hard. You know, I'm really struggling with this. This is after the session. So we put a new tip on. And obviously, you wouldn't be allowed to do this now. But in the crucible, I was practicing on the actual match table at 12.30 at night. So good, it, good job the tournament director does work there and get the sack. But I was practicing um, at 12.30 at night, knocking in this new tip. And I come out the next day. I won the first three frames very easily. And the full frame of the first session, I was 50 in front and Steve Davis cleared up with 51 to win that game. So the session, the first session, I ended up winning 3-1. But he had two doubles in that break. Not that I'm screaming, Neil. (laughs) And then the next session, I won 4-0. So I ended up coming out from 12-4 down. I ended up coming out 13-11. You know, maybe it had been 12 each, Mm. but... The first session, 
I really, it wasn't that easy in them days to just put a new tip on. It was like, it was a bit of an operation, as you know yourself. And I think if I'd have had the equipment that I had today with super glue and all that to put a new tip on, maybe it would have been different. But I agree with you, that definitely was one that got away for sure. But I'm okay. I'm only drinking like four <laughs> litres of vodka. <laughs> I'm uh, another great rivalry. I'll start with you, Neil, because it probably won't be fair because it is about Jimmy White. It's his rivalry with Stephen Hendry. You touched on it mm. ever so briefly just before. Would you say that's possibly the greatest rivalry ever in snooker? Well, yes. I mean, I think the, the, the biggest myth about that, and I know I'm, with, I'm with, you know, speaking with Jimmy here, the biggest myth about that is that Stephen never lost to, to Jimmy. Everyone thinks, oh, you know, it was all about Hendry. And, of course, those finals, we know what happened in those finals. And, you know, uh, I think Stephen probably could, was going to win two of those. There's two that Jimmy should have won. But yeah, Jimmy did beat him at the Crucible on two other occasions, you know. That's, that's the other thing. You know, people forget that. You know, I, I go back to Jimmy beat him 10-4 in 98. He beat him 13-12 in 1988. And he beat him in the in the classic 10-4. That was a Bournemouth. That was at the end of a massively long run of wins that, that Stephen won 30 of matches in a row. He beat him in the Masters in 2004. So everyone thinks, oh, you know, there was his nemesis man he couldn't beat. The fact is, the four world finals, he didn't beat him. And we know that a couple of those he should have done. And I still think about that Blackie miss. I bet you... Jimmy's thought about it a few times as well. Just, just quickly, Neil, before we asked Jimmy whether or not he remembers the bat, of course he's going to say yes. You <laughs> mentioned the 91 Mercantile Credit Classic, Jimmy beating yeah. Temple in the final. Do you know who Hendry beat in that semi-final? It might have been me. It was you. Yeah, I, he was on a, a really long run. He'd won so many tournaments in a row and it just looked like he was never going to lose again, basically. But as I, I think Jimmy won the first session about 7-1 or something. And that was that, you know, that all good things have to come to an end. But look, the point I'm trying to make is that while, you know, Hendry's record against Jimmy was good and against everyone else was good, that Jimmy had some big wins, including wins at the mm. Crucible. That's my point. Uh, Jimmy, you, you had a, a good record against Hendry. Listen, we're talking about arguably the greatest snooker player of all time. Your record against him was you won 19, he won 36, which is pretty close out of the amount of times you played. Um, and you beat him, of course, in the World Match Play Finals, or you hammered him in that 18-9. You did lose in the four world finals. Was there something different about meeting Hendry in a final compared to meeting Hendry any other event at any other stage for you? Well, it was because, you know, as, as it went on and on, I was more desperate to win it. People were more desperate for me to win it. So it was always a slight edge for Stephen Hendry. Plus, you know, I was um, drinking and using at the time. So I was giving him quite a bit of a handicap. I'm not proud of that, but that's a fact, you know, because... You know, Neil would tell you when Stephen Hendry burst on the scene and he only just lost to Willie Thorne in the World Championship, we knew that we had a phenomenal player. We knew that we had a player who had plenty of metal and plenty of self-belief. And the difference between Stephen Hendry and Steve Davis, where they were such great winners and prepared, their preparation was, you know, 100% and fair play to them and good luck to them. You know, they got what they deserved. But... Stephen Hendry was such a great potter. You know, no matter where you put him, if there was a single ball pot to go for, Stephen would go for it. And when you had someone like that, you know, underneath your safety, it put a lot of pressure on you. And it was, you know, it was massive. You know, as Neil said, I definitely should have won uh, two of them finals, but uh, I'm still playing, so who knows? The, the one, the one in, in 1994, I don't want to mention it, but, you know, Neil brought it up, so it's only fair that I push it home. The one where it went eighteen seventeen, you missed the black. What was yeah. that down to? That miss was it because you saw the winning post, or was it just one of those things? No, just you know, just pressure. I did 
sort of throw my cue at it, looking bad at it. I did hit it quite quick. I think the pressure was building. Uh, but if you don't have the pressure in any sport, you know, that's the buzz of playing. You know, you tell me a soccer player that goes up to take a penalty, all his adrenaline is flowing, you know, and it's it's how you handle it. And I was sort mm. of, maybe I see the winning post, maybe when I was 14, eight up, you know, I completely run out of steam in that match. He won two or three games. I tried to force the issue. But um, that black I missed, you know, it was a twitch. It was uh, what people do. You don't line it up right. Mm. You're under pressure. You don't regroup. And, and I miss it. I think myself, if you don't have that in sport, what's the point in playing? Neil, it's, it's interesting, is it? Because out of the, the seven world titles, Hendry won over half of them, obviously four of them, were against yeah. Jimmy. And we were talking earlier on about whether, you know, having a great rival pushes you on. Do you think Hendry would have been the player he is today, or he's known as today, 36 ranking titles, seven world titles, etc. had it not been for Jimmy White in the game? I think so. And I'll tell you what, not many people know one thing about Stephen, is that at the very beginning of his career, Jimmy was his absolute idol. Mm. At the very beginning, and I think Ian Doyle, his manager, probably knocked that out of him and said, listen, you, you know, you've got to get out of that. And in fairness to, to Doyle, he was probably right about that because he absolutely idolised Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy probably remembers at the real beginning, before he got to the, the level, he, you know, he was almost following around. He was his man. And things change, you know. And I think that he became what he was watching Jimmy. You know, he lived a different lifestyle altogether to that. Um, he probably lives the lifestyle that Jimmy used to have now, actually. He thinks the roles have reversed with Stephen and Jimmy, you know. But um, listen, he was a great player, but I think Jimmy was able to unlock a few weaknesses in his game occasionally, of which there weren't many. Jimmy, what were the big differences for you between playing Davis and playing Hendry? Well, playing Hendry, I was much more at home playing Stephen Hendry because he, he attacked the game. You know, Steve Davis was a master. Stephen... He was such a great potter, such a great self-belief. And, you know, that suited me, that game, because you get in and you try and win the game in one visit. With Steve Davis, he'd make a 40 or 50 and lock the game down. And, uh, you know, you, to win that frame, that could take you 40 minutes or something. With Stephen, they were quick firing games. And I think that's where the game improved from Steve Davis. And then you had uh, myself um, attacking. And then Stephen was even more attacking. For example, he'd put a half ball black from the jaws of the pocket, a black off its spot, put the black, roll it in, leaving the cue ball on the D line, knowing that he's going to put a long mm. red. You know, he had that so much faith in his potting ability. And I, and I agree with Neil, Ian Doyle, must have said to him, because I was, Stephen would tell himself, and the late Alex Higgins, and that's why I was so proud that Stephen Henry went to his funeral, because me and Alex, being such love for the game, when he did first come along, I used to practice with him, and I used to give him little clues and giving him good advice, which I did with O'Sullivan, because, mm. you know, here was a kid who did admire me, he did, he'd come and watch me play exhibitions when he was really young, and he was a nice kid, and, uh, you know, I've done my best for him because I, you know, I'm, uh, I love the game itself. Maybe I shouldn't have been so open with him looking at it now on yeah. hindsight. But, you know, he did. He got into a situation where his only interest was winning. And um, mm. that was why was, Neil would tell you he was in the same stable as him. You know, you, everywhere you went, like Trump is now, Henry used to be practising. Yeah. Out of the two... Davis and Hendry, who do you hate the most? I'm only joking. I, I, why, why would I hate? I don't hate anybody. Andy. I know, I know. We're going to move on now, guys, 
So the rivalry between two players still playing the game professionally and um, they're playing it incredibly well. It's Mark Selby and Ronnie O'Sullivan. Neil, the rivalry mm. between these two, we talked before about contrasting styles between maybe Higgins and Davies. Do you see something similar in these two? Well, there's definitely a contrast between these two guys. Um, interestingly, Ronnie doesn't think of it as a rivalry between him and uh, Mark Selby. Why, why he says that, I don't know. But, you know, when you look at what the damage, if you like, one has, has done to the other early on in his career, Ronnie had the edge over Selby. There's no question that, you know, O'Sullivan was beating Selby at the start. Of course, the, the, the big match that, that, that makes it a rivalry is that World Championship. You know, when um, in 2014, where Mark Selby came and beat Ronnie, Ronnie's never been to the one table set up at the Crucible since. You know, he's always lost it before that stage. So that would have hurt him. And that's what started Selby on this you know, three world titles and he won everything else. So that was the groundbreaking match between them. And since then, they've beaten each other a few times. So the rivalry is still going. I've got unfinished. You know, how many more chapters mm. in that rivalry are there? That's the interesting thing because it's still ongoing. And Jimmy, I'll tell you another interesting thing. They've met 28 times so far today. And at the moment, it's O'Sullivan that leads 18-10. But in finals, they've met eight times. And it's Selby that leads 5-3. What does that tell you about the two of them? Well, you know, it says what we know. Selby's such a big occasional player. You know, he's um, last season that we was uh, doing Eurosport, he he was playing diabolical snooker and uh, he managed to scrape himself to the final. And then when he played Dave Gilbert... He won nine one and played phenomenal, you know, like he was at the top of his game. So he does. He is a big time player. I think the rivalry is a little bit similar to the contrast styles. Ronnie O'Sullivan is more like a Hendry style player, and Mark Selby is more like a Steve Davis. You know, a bit more percentage with Ronnie O'Sullivan. He wants to win the game in one visit, and Mark Selby, if he if he finds that he's got enough of a lead and a colours safe he will tie the game up. So I think that's the thing. And it's healthy to have a little bit of a rivalry. I don't, I don't think it's as big as the one with Steve Davis and Alex Higgins or me and Steve Davis. We did forget one, actually. We forgot one with Stephen Hendry had with Steve Davis because obviously Steve Davis being the most consistent winner and then Stephen Hendry coming along and sort of took that crown from him. But um, I'd say the modern day, that, that's the only rivalry, but it's not as big mm. as it was before. Uh, Neil, it's interesting Jimmy mentions the rivalry between Davies and Hendry, although, you know, Davies was king of the 80s and then he was coming to the end of his career. I know he won a Masters in the 90s, but then Hendry took over. But with these two, with Selby and O'Sullivan, I know, I think it was about seven years between O'Sullivan turning pro and then Selby, but they're still, they've both been at the top of the game for, you know, 15, 16 years. What do you think it is about their matches we find so fascinating then? Mark Selby occasionally gets a bad press, doesn't he, from the commentators? because he doesn't maybe always play the exciting game we want to see. But he's a modern-day grinder. I mean, he's won three world titles for playing, you know, in a style. You know, the, that style is not necessarily working him that well these days. But, you know, with Ronnie, you've got the other side of the coin. I mean, it's very difficult to play O'Sullivan. It's very difficult. It's very difficult to put him out of his stride. And I think Selby has been able to do that. I, I think Selby's game has changed. When he first came on the tour and he got to the world final for the first time, it's a long time ago now, he looked like a, more of a scorer, more of an attacking player. But he's now gone the other way. And he's got the kind of game that will frustrate O'Sullivan. I mean, they've actually played twice this season, you know, in, in the Home Nations events. The first one, I look at the match and, you know, I, I don't know how Selby beat O'Sullivan in that match. The one last season when they met, I don't know how O'Sullivan beat Selby. That's when 
and Sullivan was in a really difficult snooker in the last game. I think it was in Belfast and, and fluked it getting out of it. But the last time they met was quite recently uh, in the last of the Home Nations events and um, well, Ronnie beat him easily. So I just think now it's got to the point with those two, eight, eight years between them, they're, they're kind of, you feel like they're from different generations as such. And it's now a question of who plays on the day. They're so tightly matched where there was a time when O'Sullivan was undeniably ahead of him. And Jimmy, when, of course, we know that they're going to be playing each other in the next round of a competition, we get all excited. And I get the feeling that Mark Selby quite looks forward to a game against O'Sullivan. Does O'Sullivan look forward to a game against someone he calls uh, the torturer or not? No, no, I don't think so. If I'm, you know, I don't, if Ronnie's being honest, I don't think he enjoys playing Mark Selby, you know, and, uh, I think if Ronnie's full of confidence and he's coming back off a win, then he—I don't think he's concerned who he plays. But when he's not fully confident and he's not had a lot of wins behind him, he, I don't think he enjoys playing Mark Selby at all. For me, Mark Selby—you know—he goes to the well so much he can be struggling and he can start off matches. You know, like when he played Ding in the World Final, leading up to that final, he was absolutely—you know—he was struggling. He was just falling over the line grind his way through, got to the final, and then all of a sudden, towards mm-hmm. the end of it, found top form. It, you know, players like O'Sullivan can't really do that. They have, they have one sort of flow. As Neil said, it's hard to knock him out of his flow. But most of the time, he's playing on top gear. But rightly so, what Neil said, uh, he is the type of player, Selby, that can knock the rhythm out of Ronnie O'Sullivan. So I don't think, if Ronnie's telling the truth, that he enjoys playing Selby that much. Okay, and Neil, of course, one of the reasons uh, Ronnie's been around so long is because he's got so many different rivals, not just Mark Selby, but also someone that turned pro, also part of the class of 92, John Higgins. They've met in 17 finals, Ronnie at the moment leading 7-10. Uh, it's 29-37 in meetings between the two overall. I mean, when you're talking about great rivalries in snooker for so many reasons, probably the first one being they turn pro at exactly the same time, contrasting styles as well. I mean, we're, we're blessed with these two in the game, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, that is the modern-day rivalry, I think, those two, no question. I mean, I still think back to that 2006 Masters final, the last ever played at the, at the Crobfront Centre, where O'Sullivan, well, he was a long way in front of the insider, he's 60 in front. John Higgins rolled a red to the middle, which only just dropped, and he cleared up, won the final. And Ronnie has, has said since then that was the biggest disappointment in his career. And it's a long time ago, but matches like that stick in your mind, and there have been so many great matches you know, between them. You know, it's amazing how they're both still going so well. I mean, people don't think John's the same player he was. You know, he's been in the last three world finals, so he's not doing badly. You know, and, uh, you know, Ronnie has not won it for a long time. But when they meet, it kind of feels like a very special occasion, even mm. even though they've met all the times, as you pointed out. Yeah, it does feel like a very special occasion, Jimmy. It's interesting when you talk to Ronnie about his rivals in the game, he always puts John Higgins at the very top of that list, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, besides himself, that he never praises himself, O'Sullivan. He thinks that John Higgins is the greatest player in the world. And, uh, you know, he definitely is one of them because John Higgins is like Steve Davis. He plays the right shot all the time. And, uh, you know, under pressure, there's no one better than him. And his rivalry, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't care playing Ronnie O'Sullivan because sometimes Ronnie doesn't give it 100%. And uh, you can tell that in his in his game sometime and Higgins is always waiting to pick up on that because Higgins every time he goes out to do battle he gives it 100% so I think the rivalry with them we are very lucky because on one hand you've got Ronnie O'Sullivan on top form is unplayable and then 
the other hand, you've got John Higgins, who is a great modern-day scorer, but also a great percentage player as well. Mm. Um, and if we're talking about rivalries, we t- should talk about two players. You have to talk about Stephen Hendry. His rivalry, Neil, with Ronnie O'Sullivan, 13 finals. It probably surprises people that Ronnie won nine of them. Would you say there was a, maybe a three or four or even five-year period where they were both at the top of their game playing each other and we saw the best of both players? Yeah, and the other thing is the amount of people, because it's safe to say they, they're probably the two of the greatest players you know, to have played the game. And people want to say, well, who would have won on their, both at their very best? Very difficult question to answer that because of how good they were. I mean, the, the strange thing about those two is that when, when Hendry was at the top of his game, Ronnie beat him as a 17-year-old in the UK Championship final, which takes some believing when you think about it. And I still remember the handshake and the look that, that uh, Stephen Hendry gave Ronnie O'Sullivan. You know, he was congratulating him, but he looked at him as if to say, well, you know, what is this bloke? How can you do that to me? No one had done that to him. Don't get me wrong, after that, it went the other way. And of course, Stephen beat Ronnie a lot of times. And then there were words between them. Ronnie said something that maybe he shouldn't have done after a world semi-final. You know, about he was going to send him back to Scotland. I won't go through exactly what he said. And that was the wrong thing to do against Stephen Hendry. Because if you rattled his cage, you, you know, that was a mistake. It's a bit like um, saying something to a big fast bowler who's going to come in and bowl at you. You know, you, you're always nice to those guys. You, know, you, don't, you don't get them at it. That's what Stephen was like. But I think that Stephen would say that Ronnie is possibly the greatest player of all time. And that would include himself. So he has great respect for him. And I don't think anyone ever enjoyed playing O'Sullivan if you were looking to win the match. You know, he'd rather play somebody else. But that was a, that was a great rivalry. They were definitely from different generations. Mm. This is for another day, but Stephen might have retired a little bit too soon. But at least he went out while he was still a leading player. And Jimmy, I'll tell you what is interesting. We've been talking about rivalries, of course, since we started this chat. And the one thing that seems to be sticking out like a sore thumb is the fact that you always have contrasting styles between the two players. Although we don't have that with Judd Trump, and Ronnie O'Sullivan. Um, they obviously have a rivalry. They've met 26 times and it's beautifully poised at 13 apiece. Although in finals, it's 7-3 to Trump. We talk about the passing of the bat and I know the same age gap. It's a great stat. I heard it from you actually for the first time, Jimmy. The, the gap in years between you and Higgins is the same as you and O'Sullivan and then O'Sullivan and Trump, it's the same. Do you think that when Ronnie watches Judd Trump, do you think maybe there's a part of Ronnie that thinks I might be handing the baton over now? Has that already happened or maybe not for a couple of years? In the last two years, you know, we've seen Trump completely turn into a different player, maybe three years, you know, and we put it down to many things. His brother, his practice, his manager, Django, they've had a good setup. They have good practice facilities in the Grove. So Trump, we was always waiting for Trump, especially Neil. Neil was his biggest fan. You know, he was always waiting to say, why is... Trump not coming through. And, uh, you know, that was always the big question. All of a sudden now Trump has come through. And when he's playing O'Sullivan in finals, for some reason, he seems to, you know, he won 10-9, I think, in um, somewhere in Europe uh, a couple of years ago. And I think that sort of set Trump up. And uh, he has beaten Ronnie in in a lot of finals. And it's a great rivalry to have. You know, we're going to see two of the most exciting players that the game's ever seen going to carry on being rivals, you know. And uh, as Trump says, though, he's still learning off of Ronnie O'Sullivan. Mm. And I think with Ronnie O'Sullivan not playing as much as he, he does and not playing as many tournaments, if he wants to keep up that rivalry and beat Trump, I think he has to go back to playing in most of the tournaments and practicing harder because uh, Trump has definitely got the upper hand at the moment. 
Well, listen, we're nearly out of time. Before we wrap things up, I'm going to come back to you finally. Now, out of all the rivals we've spoken about, maybe we've missed out a few. What's you, your favourite one in snooker? Mm. What do you think has done the most for the sport? Listen, they're all great. And, and I'm looking forward to the next development with Noah Sullivan and Trump. I still remember that 7-1 up uh, session that uh, Trump against uh, Ronnie in 2019 in the uh, Masters. I think that almost made Judd Trump a better player. But... I want to go back because I, you know, I'm like Jimmy. We go back a, a bit in snooker, and I still think, you know, the Davis, Alex Higgins, Steve Davis, Alex Higgins rivalry is the best, and I think it really did divide the nation. It literally did because if, if you loved Alex Higgins, you would want him to be of all people Steve, mm. and if you didn't really like Alex or you loved Steve, you really wanted to see that go the other way. So that that was what people watched snooker for, and I think a lot of the snooker boom in the '80s is down to those two. Jimmy, same question to you, and I'm more than happy for you to include yourself in the answer. No, I absolutely 100% agree with Neil Foltz. I think, you know, don't forget we only had four channels in them days and snooker was at its most popular. And I think that rivalry between Steve Davis and Alex Alex Alexine being so flamboyant and such a, uh, a cavalier sort of style of play, Davis being, you know, very professional, a very percentage player, but also phenomenally good. I think that rivalry made the game of snooker, set it on the route that it's got to today. Okay, well, listen, lads, that's all we've got time for, mainly because Jimmy's got to make a souffle and Neil's due on the hockey in about five minutes' time. But I've enjoyed it. It's been a good chat. Thanks again to everyone that's listened. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of The Break. Remember, please subscribe, rate and review the podcast on your platform of choice. We'd really appreciate it. From myself, from Neil Folds. Bye, Neil Folds. Cheers. Uh, the whirlwind as well. See you, Jimmy. See you soon. Cheers. Bye for now.